to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. You're pretty much anyone living in 21st century United States. You're no stranger to what I'm talking about. You know it, the 10 o'clock in the morning blood sugar crash, the 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon crash, the craving for chocolate or coffee or just anything to get your energy going, your brain clear, and the energy and motivation to keep going and doing what you need to do throughout the day. It's no wonder that there is an abundance of specialty chocolates, organic coffee, green tea, gluten-free baked goods, energy bars, and drinks. There's no shortage of quick energy fixes lining the shelves of even health food stores. And I think it's safe to say that we're pretty much all in the middle of a human energy crisis. Even the health conscious set, those of us listening and talking here today, aren't exempt from grabbing foods and drinks that provide quick fuel. We're all living in a situation where there's chronic overdrive. We're constantly having our time demanded on. And unlike even just 10 years ago where you left your nine to five job and you came home, you could actually relax, have an evening to yourself, catch up on your favorite TV show, read a book, head to bed, hang out with your family, whatever you wanted to do or needed to do. Now the workday never ends. It starts earlier. I actually had to beg my husband and kind of make a deal that he wouldn't start checking his news and email on his iPhone before he even got out of bed in the morning. So now we kind of have this thing where we we have these sort of boundaries built around stopping. And um, there's almost a sort of spiritual practice in knowing when to stop and when to hit the the pause button. The problem is, is that most of our lives don't allow that easily And the reality is we have to kind of keep going and keep going and keep going. So we grab for sugar, we grab for caffeine, and even those amazing, delicious, fair trade, fair wage, artisanal forms of great coffees and great chocolates, they don't fix the energy problems for very long. In fact, they really just make it worse because they cause us to be on a roller coaster of energy highs and energy lows sugar highs and sugar crashes. While there are a lot of important things that we need to do to keep our energy steady, our fuel sources really high by eating good quality proteins and getting good quality fats in our diets, that's not what I'm focusing on today. Today, I'm focusing on this whole category of herbs called adaptogens that help us get to the root of healing the energy crisis problems that happen from living in this chronic overdrive. So first I want to talk about what's happening in our bodies when we're in this sort of chronic energy crisis. Your body has an entire stress response system called the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, or HPA axis for short. And that is hardwired to protect us from danger. Its base camp is these two little glands called the adrenal glands. And they sit on top of your kidneys, one on each side. 
and they mastermind a whole lot of things about your health, from your blood sugar balance to your insulin release to how much fat you store. And when we store fat, we store it in the form of cholesterol. So it affects our cholesterol production all the way to our inflammation control, our blood pressure, our hormones, and our mood. These little glands are really remarkable. They're so tiny that the first time I ever saw them when I was in my medical training, I was on a surgical rotation and I was in kidney surgery. I was on urology. And when the urologic surgeon I was training with pointed them out to me, I remember saying, that's it out loud. I was kind of shocked because they're so teeny tiny. Um, they're like smaller than a walnut. They're these little sort of orangey yellow globs of sort of fat looking material. And they just sit there right on top of the kidney on each side. And what's amazing is that this hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis system, the HPA axis system, has existed basically since the dawn of time. As long as we've existed, they've existed. And they're intended to protect us from immediate danger. So a lot of times if you read about these um, adrenal glands, you'll read about these kind of proverbial saber-toothed tigers chasing us. And that's how this system kind of kicks into gear. So the way I think about it is this. If you are walking down the street at night, let's say you went to a meeting or a party and you parked your car on a kind of dark street because that was the only place you could find a parking spot. And now you're a woman, you're walking back to your car and you notice on the other side of the street, there's a man walking and he's kind of glancing at you and you're feeling a little bit nervous because you're alone and you still have a ways to get to your car and it's dark. So what starts to happen in your body? Well, first your awareness gets really high. You start to become really aware. You hear sounds more acutely. Your eyes actually, your pupils actually dilate to let more light in and you get more peripheral vision. This is all happening without your having to think about it. This is a primitive survival response system. Then your heart rate starts to go up and you notice that you're feeling anxious because a faster heart rate and anxiety are tied together. For one, we tend to get anxious when our heart rate goes up, but also things that make us anxious make our heart rate go up. And that's because this primitive survival system is kicking your heart rate up to make you get more oxygen quickly to your brain so you can be more alert and more reactive. And also it's making more blood flow go to your arms and legs so that if you have to run, because this is called the flight or fight system, you're going to either run or you're going to mobilize a lot of energy through your muscles to fight off any danger. So you kick into this system and your awareness is really high. And probably if this person started to come after you, you would have one of three responses. You would freeze because some people are wired to freeze in danger, kind of like a deer in a headlight. And the reason for that response is that in animals, it kind of makes us camouflage into our environment. And two, you might run or three, you might gear up for a fight depending on what the danger is and, and sort of what the most life-saving reaction is. And again, you're not going to think about this. Your brain is going to tell your body automatically what to do. So let's say you're walking, you're really geared up, your shoulders are tight, your muscles are tight, you're ready to spring into action. Even the muscles down the side of your spine, the psoas muscles, 
they get tight because those muscles are going to prime you to run. They're putting you in a runner's position. Think of a puma or a tiger. It hunches its back. It gets ready to run. So you're walking and now the guy has crossed the street and he's on your side of the sidewalk. So you're getting pretty darn scared. You can feel this, right? You know what's happening in your body and your heart rate and your breathing gets faster and you're feeling anxious and maybe your your stomach gets really tight because you're not doing any digesting when you're in this anxiety mode, when you're in this fight or flight response. Your body shuts down digestion and pretty much all your energy goes to your heart, your muscles in your arms and legs and your brain. So you're walking and all of a sudden you notice some light coming out from behind you. A door has opened and a woman comes down the stairs and all of a sudden the man has stopped and you hear giggling and then you hear a kissing sound. And then you're like, your shoulders drop. Your heart rate starts to go back to normal because you realize this guy wasn't after you at all. He just happened to be walking on the side of the street and was going to his girlfriend's house or going to his sister's house or going to his best friend's house. And now they've connected and the danger is gone. Now, if you think about the nature channel, if you've ever seen the nature channel, imagine there are some gazelles around a watering hole and they're just eating and drinking and being social. And all of a sudden a pride of lions comes. The gazelles perk up their ears, their backs tighten up. They get really aware. You can see their nostrils are flaring. They're taking in the air because they're picking up the scent of danger. And what do they do? They do the same thing that you would have done had that danger been real at that moment on the street. Probably you'd have run or started walking fast. So the gazelles run and the lions give a chase. And the lions catch either an older, sicker, or very young gazelle. And then what happens? The lions settle down and eat. And the gazelles literally go back to the watering hole because the danger is gone for them. The lions have gotten their food and they go back to their previous nourishing themselves behavior. What's supposed to happen in this primitive system is that it's survival. It saves our lives. It gets turned on really fast and furious, but then it's supposed to get turned off. And all of the chemicals, the cortisol, the adrenaline, the changes that happen to our blood sugar, because a lot of blood sugar also gets mobilized to give you the energy to run when this happens. And your body also kicks out a chemical called insulin. And insulin's job is when the running and the high energy intensity has passed, its job is to take that sugar back into your cells where it safely belongs, not just circulating and hanging out in your bloodstream. Because if it does that, then it gets stored as fat and cholesterol. So what happens is In a normal stress response, you may have this stress kicked in for a matter of minutes or even a little bit longer, but then you get resolution. Your heart rate goes back to normal. Your blood vessels, which were um, clamped in order to allow more blood to, to flow to your brain, start to relax again. The blood sugar goes back into your cells where it belongs, and you don't get any lasting harmful changes. The problem is the way most of us are living in our current times is that we're under a low, moderate, or even for some of us, high level of that stress response all the time. So our heart rates are constantly getting kicked up into overdrive or periodically throughout the day. 
we're constantly or frequently chronically mobilizing high amounts of blood sugar. But the problem is after a while, your pancreas, the organ that is in control of producing insulin and bringing that blood sugar back into your cells, it gets a little tired of doing that day after day after day when its job isn't to do that in high alert all the time. Its job is supposed to only do that steadily as you're eating your meals and then you digest and the pancreas can relax for a while. But when we're in this chronic overdrive, it's chronically stimulated. And after a while it says, hmm, well, this body just isn't responding to insulin very more. So instead of pumping out more and more and more and more, which it does for a while until your body gets insulin resistant, then it eventually starts to go into underdrive and it stops pumping out so much insulin. And eventually what can happen is you get diabetes. And what can happen when your body is in this constant state of high alert and it's constantly clamping down on your blood vessels to send more blood to your brain and more blood to your arms and legs because your primitive brain doesn't know that that stressful situation with your boss isn't danger to your life. And maybe it is economic danger to your life. It doesn't know that that fight with your teenager isn't a survival situation that your body needs to trigger this intense primitive response because it feels like a survival danger. It doesn't know that your fight with your husband or those bills that you're paying or the chronic stress you're under from taking care of your older parents or worries that you have about things that you're hearing about in the news, which feel really scary, aren't real dangers. So you're in this overdrive system all the time. And so you can end up with high blood pressure because your blood vessels are clamping down more often than they're supposed to. And check this out. One of the things that happens when you start to pump out this stress response chemicals all the time is you're pumping out something called cortisol. And cortisol comes from the adrenal glands mostly. And its job is to keep down inflammation, support your blood pressure, make you able to respond really reactively to danger. But over time, when you're pumping it out too much, it makes you start to pack weight on around your middle. Like if you've ever taken prednisone, that's a hormone, that's a steroid hormone, just like cortisol, you know it makes you gain weight. It can affect your sleep. It can even make you feel a little crazy, like a little nutso, or it can make you feel anxious or depressed. And over time, guess what can happen? It can actually impact the executive functioning parts of your brain, your frontal cortex, and it can literally rewire your brain and it can make you more forgetful. It can affect your focus and your concentration and your decision-making abilities. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. When you're in this chronic overdrive, it can affect your immune system, make you get sick more often, or it can make you be the kind of person who never gets sick until your first day of vacation. The minute you're able to stop and take a break, boom, you get sick. And there are lots, lots more things that can happen. And you're going to hear a lot more about this from me in blogs and in this podcast because it's so important to the core of our health. It can affect our digestive system, our appetite. It makes us crave things like fat, sugar, and salt. And there are so many things that you can do to heal the system and to restore the system. Today, what I want to talk about is these herbs called the adaptogens because they're one of my favorite class of herbs. Now, some of you may be new to me and not know this, and some of you may know this. So apologize, apologies for those of you who already know about my background. But my original entry into the world of natural medicine was through 
learning about how to use foods for healing and herbal medicines. Herbal medicines to me are original medicine. And while there's a lot of hype and hokey stuff out there in advertising and the media, and you're going to read all kinds of negative things about herbs from the New York State Attorney General, finding problems with supplements not having what they claim, which can be actually true, to the dangers of herbs. The bottom line is that used correctly and when you're getting great products, they can be such a great adjunct to your daily self-care and to your health. They can help prevent disease, they can help restore your body, and they can even help reverse disease. Now, I am known as one of the top herbalists in the world. My textbook, Botanical Medicines for Women's Health, won the 2010 esteemed Jim Duke Award, James Duke uh, Award from the American Botanical Council. I'm a contributor to numerous textbooks. I'm on advisory boards. I am the medical director for the American Pharmacopeia, one of the leading resources on scientific advice and botanicals to uh, health professionals, the medical community, the uh, federal government, and to the botanical medicine industry. I've written numerous books And I am on scientific advisory boards, editorial advisory boards. So I take this stuff pretty seriously. So when you're hearing about herbs from me, sometimes I'm going to talk in plain speak and not go through every bit of biochemical science and research studies and evidence because that gets too cumbersome for a podcast. But I geek out on that stuff. I love that stuff. So um It's really important to me, so you can assume that if I'm talking about it, I've done the research behind it. Adaptogens are one of the most fascinating area of herbs, and I think they're so important for modern times. If you remember back in 2000, we were hitting the millennium, and there was a lot of fear around what was going to happen. Were airplanes going to fall out of the sky? Were entire computer systems going to crash? Just because we were going from the 1990 nine to 2000 turn, people were worried that computer systems weren't going to read all the zeros after the number two for 2000 and everything was going to fall apart. And I was interviewed by, uh, I think it was Natural Health or Mother Earth Magazine, one of the big newsstand Natural Health magazines. And they asked me if there was one herb that could be put in the water system for the new millennium to help everyone relax and live a better life. I said ashwagandha, and that is one of the adaptogens that you're going to hear me talk about. I think these herbs are so important for our times, but they're not new, actually. Adaptogens are a special class that have been used in traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine really for millennia. In those systems, some of these herbs are literally considered the kings and queens of herbal medicines for restoring health, vitality, immunity, stamina, promoting longevity. In fact, um, for you herbal um, buffs out there, if I could do a contest on my podcast right now, I would. And I'd ask you, what was the most famous adaptogen that people are willing to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars for the roots of in Asia that was actually one of the biggest export crops from the United States. And some of you would answer ginseng. 
And ginseng was actually and remains one of the most prized um, herbs in the world. It's one of the most well-known and sought-after adaptogens because of its famed abilities to promote longevity and sexual stamina, but also concentration and focus and endurance athletically. But is this just hype? It's actually not. There are actually thousands of studies on the herbs that are called adaptogens. And some of the bulk of the studies actually really were getting done in the Soviet Union at the time. Of course, we don't have a Soviet Union anymore, but at the time, the USSR was so focused on improving athletic endurance and enhancement, improving um, productivity amongst factory workers and improving stamina and health for the cosmonauts in space exploration programs. What these researchers, scientists in the Soviet Union were finding were that, for example, endurance athletes had really high performance, but often after their athletic performance, they would get sick. They were more prone to viral infections. And this is actually really well known in the world of athletic um, performance, that people who are marathon runners, for example, will often achieve their goal, but right after they crash, and they're much more prone to viral infections during those days and weeks after an athletic endurance event. Not dissimilar to many of you who are very high achievers in your life. You may be a really high performer in your corporate setting as a nurse or a doctor, as a midwife, as a mom, as a student. And then the first minute you get a break, the first day of that holiday, boom, you get sick. A lot of us are really familiar with that. It's because this system stays really primed up. This system actually responds beautifully and supports us when we're under stress. But when it goes too far, the system crashes. And so the first time that we're allowed to let down our guard, the system kind of turns off and starts to recalibrate. And part of what the system is doing is keeping your immune system really, really primed. So as soon as the system goes, okay, now we can finally take a break and let down our guard, that's when you get the infection. So the term adaptogen really kind of gives itself away. The term actually refers to the unique ability of these herbs to help your body adapt to stress in your life. And they do this by normalizing or regulating the chemicals that get kicked out or kicked into high gear during the adrenal stress response, during that fight or flight um, stage of things, which is also known as the sympathetic stress response. So if you think about the sympathetic nervous system, that's really more that fight or flight, whereas the parasympathetic is known as the rest and digest. And that's where the healing takes place. That's where your nutrient assimilation and absorption happens. That's when your body repairs itself. It's much more like the state that you're in when you're in flow, when you're relaxed, when you're doing something like painting or focusing on a crossword puzzle or doing some handwork like knitting or meditating or doing yoga. So adaptogens help your body and your mind to cope more effectively with the demands of everyday life. And they can provide much more of a sustained sense of calm at the same time as increasing your energy, boosting your immune system and supporting it and helping calm down the effects like too much sugar release or too much cholesterol storage or 
insulin dysregulation, when your insulin gets out of whack, like I mentioned, that can happen when you're under this stress system too, for too long. What they're doing is they're calming and they're nourishing the adrenal glands. They're helping to balance your blood sugar, restore your immune system, reduce blood pressure. It's really amazing. They actually do all these things because the chemicals that they contain help to support those two little glands, the adrenal glands that are in charge of so many of these functions, which you can imagine why when I saw them and I saw that they were so tiny, I was like, what? It's like one of those teeny tiny towns. They say you blink and you missed it. They're kind of like that. So I use a lot of adaptogens in my medical practice, and you'll see me talk about them a lot in my blogs over at www.avivaram.com. And I'm even working on a book right now on the importance of the adrenal glands and also the thyroid for helping to keep your energy up, keep your stamina up, keep your mind focused and clear, help reduce things like brain fog, but also help keep your inflammation in check because we know that inflammation is at the heart of most disease. And we also know that most illness has a stress component at its core. And really who of us can say that we're not stressed at least a couple of times a day about something, even if it's just feeling overwhelmed, because even overwhelmed can kick in this stress system and being overwhelmed can be a result of this stress system being chronically triggered also. So adaptogens work best when they're taken for at least a few weeks. The scientific data on them shows that you get the biggest boost from them in the first two weeks. There's a lot of controversy over whether you should stay on them for three months or 12 months at a time, and there's no harm in doing that. But what you should notice is some benefit after the first two to three weeks. If you've taken one, you're not really noticing a benefit then it's probably better to switch to another one. Also, there are lots of wonderful combination products on the market, which I am going to mention a few of them at the end of this podcast, just because I know that it can be really challenging to know how to pick products. So I'm going to mention a few companies that do have some really good products because I know that it's hard to know how to combine these things on your own. But I do often recommend just starting out with one or two That way you can know if you get benefit from it, then you're on the right track. And then you can always add in a second one that has maybe some different activities. And also conversely, if you start taking a whole combination of four or five or six of them and you don't respond really well to it, you don't know which one maybe set you off. Like maybe you start taking one and you're like, hmm, I thought this was supposed to help my sleep, but I'm actually feeling a little overstimulated. You wouldn't know which one out of the combination product was triggering you. So then you might be a little hesitant to try any. So you can go to most natural food stores. You can go online. You can go to any number of sources and find single products. And that's what I would recommend. Get one or get two that sound like they really meet your needs. And I'm about to talk about six of my favorite ones. So you'll have some good options to start with. You can also go over to my website, www.avivaram.com. Look for my blog, Adaptogens, Herbs for Beating Stress, Fighting Fatigue, and Banishing Cravings. It's super popular. As of the time of this recording, there are already 6,000 likes on it. And it's only 
I only tell people about it through my own list. So it's a super popular blog. And the reason I'm telling you about it is because I don't want you to feel stressed out while you're listening that you have to remember all the facts and all the doses. You can go over to that blog and you can find it all written out for you for these six adaptogens. So let yourself relax, just enjoy listening and then head over there and you can figure out which one you want to take. So I'm going to talk about six of my favorite adaptogens for women. These are applicable for men as well in the same dosing range. I don't recommend these during pregnancy for reasons I'm not going to talk about right now, but I, I personally think that because the jury's out on their safety during pregnancy and because some changes that are normal during pregnancy are changes that are associated with the stress response, I don't want these herbs to have an impact on those changes. Just for one, for example, like we know that during pregnancy, women naturally become more insulin resistant so that more blood sugar gets to the baby. And because we know that these adaptogens regulate blood sugar and we don't know what impact that has in pregnancy, I generally recommend not trying to supplement these with during pregnancy. I also don't necessarily recommend giving them to kids under 10, but I do sometimes use these herbs to calm kids with ADHD or to help with focus for kids for ADHD. But that's a separate talk that I will give in this podcast series at some point. But for now, I, I just generally don't recommend just jumping in and giving them to kids. Now, you can use these while you're breastfeeding, which is really important because I have four kids and I breastfed my kids. I jokingly say until they were in college, but seriously, I breastfed my oldest, who's now 30, until he was, please don't hate me, until he was four years old. And then my three girls, I sub subsequently breastfed anywhere from... 18 months to three years, depending on which kid it was. So I breastfed for a really long time and I even tandem breastfed. And I know like just being an, a mom, a new mom, even if you're not breastfeeding and then adding breastfeeding to it, it's really demanding. You're losing a lot of sleep, just waking up in the night for a baby or you have your worries and you're not able to take care of yourself as much. So these herbs are amazing for new moms. So let's jump in. The first one I'm going to talk about is ashwagandha. And I call ashwagandha the soothing adaptogen. Ashwagandha has been in use for over 4,000 years in India. It's considered a food and a tonic for improving energy, memory, learning, promoting sexual energy, your libido, if your libido is low. These herbs are fab for women going through perimenopause. And they're even used in traditional Ayurvedic medicine to help prevent premature aging. And we know there's actually a term in Western science that's now evolving called inflammaging. So it's inflammation and aging kind of put together as a conjunction, inflammaging, because we know not that we're not going to get older and we want to get older because we want to get wiser, but the ravages of aging, you know, just wrinkles and you know, out of control wrinkles, unless you live in the Southwest, maybe that's a different story or forgetfulness, or creaky bones and joints, or getting more tired. These things that we assume are part of aging just because we live in a culture that isn't really aging well, aren't. And thinking about um, more like, I think about that movie from when I was a really young kid. Um, it was, um, I think it's called Lost Horizons about Shangri-La and the very old kind of ancient Chinese man who took herbs and knew these elixirs for long living, who was spry, even though he was probably hundreds of years old in the story. We, 
obviously these aren't magical potions, but they really can reduce inflammation and prevent inflammation. So the unnecessary harmful effects of inflammation that we actually associate as normal symptoms of aging. So ashwagandha is calming, it's anti-inflammatory. Unlike some of the other adaptogens like ginseng, which I'm actually not going to talk about too much today, but it's one of the fabulous ones, which are stimulating, ashwagandha is actually used to promote sleep, reduce anxiety. And in doing that, because we know that impaired sleep and more anxiety have an impact on memory, it also improves memory. It reduces oxidative stress, which is the damage from inflammation, and it boosts immunity. So I often include ashwagandha in everything from stress-related sleep problems or sleep problems that are causing stress to anxiety, memory, menopausal issues, but also even things like arthritis because it helps reduce inflammation in the joints and even in the treatment of fertility challenges because we know that when the stress adaptation system gets out of whack, it impacts fertility. When your body is in chronic survival mode, it tells your hormones, hey, this is probably not a great time to reproduce. And so it diverts energy away from producing sex hormones like estrogen and progesterone and testosterone into producing stress hormones. So you get stress instead of sex. It impacts your libido, your sex drive too, and it reduces fertility. So again, I don't recommend it for use during pregnancy, and I also recommend caution if you're um, sensitive to nightshades. This is the only adaptogen that I'm going to talk about that's in the nightshade family. And I also recommend just being cautious if you're already taking any kind of sedatives or pain medications. It doesn't mean you can't use them together, but be more cautious. Maybe find an herbalist or a naturopathic doctor or an integrative or functional doctor that you can talk to if you're on medications and want to combine these things. The typical dose is three to six grams of the dried herb in a capsule form or two to four milliliters, which is about 20 to 80 drops of the tincture or alcohol extract in water three times a day. The next adaptogen I want to talk with you about is called rhodiola. And I think of rhodiola as the spirit calming anti-anxiety adaptogen. Rhodiola helps promote a calm emotional state much like ashwagandha does, and it supports strong mental performance. So if you're a student and you're having to learn a lot of new material, if you're starting a new job, if you have to have a lot of strong cognitive function and you tend to get stressed out about that, this is a great herb for you. It also supports optimal immune function and hormonal balance. Rhodiola is a key adaptogen for reducing anxiety. It's one of the best for anxiety stress, mental burnout, irritability, and it also improves mental and physical stamina. Like the other adaptogens, it improves the immune system and has been shown to decrease the frequency of colds and infections. And like the others, it reduces inflammation. I commonly use rhodiola as well in the treatment of chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia, where I'll also use ashwagandha. It can also be beneficial for poor appetite and as part of a treatment plan for chronic stress headaches. The one thing you want to be really careful is if you have bipolar depression, especially with manic behavioral tendencies, so bipolar affective disorder at all, but especially with manic behavior. So if you have anxiety and depression, it's okay. 
but not if you have bipolar or think you have bipolar or have been diagnosed with it. Then it's not a great herb for you because it can enhance some manic behavior because it does improve mental stimulation. The dose is typically two to 400 milligrams in capsules or tablets daily or two to three milliliters, about 20 to 60 drops of the tincture in water two to three times a day. And you want to look for products that are standardized to something called Rosevin. So look for antisolidricide. So when you're looking on the package, and remember this is written down in my blog at www.aviveram.com. Go to the blog, Adaptogens, Herbs for Beating Stress, Fighting Fatigue, and Banishing Cravings, and you'll find this information. So don't get stressed about memorizing it. Use products that are standardized to 2 to 3% rosevin and 0.8 to 1% solidricide. So go, you can go look and cut and paste that or print that out and take it to the store with you when you're looking for products. Now, one of my favorite adaptogens that I also want to tell you about today is called holy basil. And I think of holy basil as the vitalizer. Holy basil or sacred basil, is, which is different than the cooking basil, which is also really healthy for you too, but um, has some different actions, has been revered in India for over 5,000 years as an herb that calms the mind and spirit and promotes longevity. In Ayurvedic medicine, it's also called tulsi, which means incomparable one as an herb. It's used to improve energy and relieve fatigue. It's an anti-inflammatory and antioxidant. It helps to lower blood glucose or blood sugar and triglycerides and cholesterol. Actually, all the adaptogens help to do that, but holy basil may be especially helpful. It also helps protect the liver. It can help with nicotine withdrawal. So if you're a smoker and you're trying to quit, any of these can be helpful, but holy basil may be especially helpful. It helps elevate your mood and especially provides relief from mild depression. And it's just lovely as a tea. And it can also be taken as a liquid extract or a tincture about 40 to 60 drops three times a day. And other than not using in pregnancy, there are really no known precautions. Of course, if you have high blood sugar or diabetes or high cholesterol and you're taking a medication for that, you want to be especially careful. And it may be really great because it can help you lower your medication dose. But in that case, talk with your doctor about combining those with the medications that you're already on. One of my favorite adaptogens for women going through hormonal challenges is Shatavari. Shatavari, I think of as the hormonal harmonizer or the queen of women's adaptogens. In fact, Shatavari is considered the queen of herbs in Ayurvedic medicine, where uh, this herb has been beloved as one of the most powerful rejuvenating tonics for women. It's nourishing, it's calming, and it helps to restore balance to your hormones, partly because, as I mentioned earlier, when that whole stress adaptation system kicks in, when you're in stress overdrive and your body's going, hmm, not a great time to reproduce, then your hormones get haywire. And this can happen at any time of life, anywhere from teenage girls all the way through menopause. So I use Shatavari when there is irritability, hormonal imbalances that affect mood, for example, PMS and menopause. It's also used as a fertility tonic and may be used for vaginal dryness, low sex drive, 
and also sleep problems that become more common in the perimenopause as the progesterone goes down, sometimes sleep can be affected. In addition, there's a good bit of research that suggests that shatavari may be helpful for supporting the immunity. Again, like other adaptogens, it can have an antioxidant effect. It improves insulin secretion. And it can also reduce um, gastric acidity and possibly even prevent ulcers. Now remember, even though the scientific connection between stress and ulcers has been questioned, what we do know is that stress really upsets our digestive system. It can affect our production of stomach acid. It can affect our gut health, our gut flora. And so when we're stuck in this stress overdrive syndrome, when we get stuck in that uh, survival mode, it can have a tremendous impact on our gut. Also, shatavari does have potentially mild estrogenic effects, not so much that you need to be concerned about it. It's not like taking estrogen. And um, it does have some cholesterol-lowering effects as well. It's really just such a lovely herb for women's health and women's hormonal problems and, and mood. The dose of shatavari is about 40 to 80 drops of the liquid extract or tincture in water two to three times a day. And I do recommend just because of the slight potential for estrogenic effects that if you do have a history of estrogen receptor positive cancer, that you not use this herb. The other adaptogens that I've mentioned, you don't have to be concerned about that. But with this herb, I tend to be a little on the more cautious side about it because it's a big deal. So um, if you have a history of breast cancer with um, estrogen positive or any other, then don't use this herb for yourself. Now, one of my next to last favorite adaptogens is Eleuthero. The formal name of this herb is Eleutherococcus centicosis, and it used to be called Siberian ginseng, but we now know from botanical research it's not actually a ginseng at all. So it's now just called by the shortened name of its scientific name, Eleuthero. And Eleuthero is actually one of the most well-researched of all the adaptogens. It's particularly well-regarded for increasing mental alertness and performance, improving concentration, increasing energy and stamina, reducing stress and fatigue, reducing dream-disturbed sleep and helping insomnia, and it also enhances immunity and improves detoxification. Now, if you are a nurse or a midwife or a mom, anybody working the night shift, Eleuthero may be especially beneficial for you because it has been shown to actually help improve concentration and stamina, particularly on night shifts for healthcare workers. It was studied in medical residents, for example. And not only that, but reduces fatigue and may reduce errors that happen, which are common on these shifts. Also, if you're a mom and you're not sleeping well and it's affecting your mood or affecting your concentration and focus during the day, consider Eleuthero again, fine while you're breastfeeding. And then in general, if you're a student or if you're uh, someone who wants to improve their cognitive performance, if you're having a lot of brain fog, focus and memory concentration issues, this is the one that I would start with. An interesting thing about Eleuthero is that it also is anabolic, which it means that it helps to actually build muscle 
and prevents muscle breakdown as we age. Now, all of the adaptogens help with athletic stamina and performance, but if you're in training or if you're, I I had a patient just recently, she's in her early 50s, she really wants to start a new workout program because she recognizes that as we get older, we start to lose muscle mass more quickly, but she doesn't she wants to help forestall that. So that's the kind of uh, time you might consider Eleuthero as a great ally botanically for you. The dose of Eleuthero is two to three grams of dried root in a capsule or about two to four milliliters of the tincture. So 20 to 80 drops in water two to three times a day. Of note, I always put my liquid extracts in water so that you're not putting any alcohol straight on the tongue. And if you're not able to tolerate alcohol or if you're sober and don't want to use alcohol, you can use the capsule of any of these herbs or you can look for an herbal product made in glycerin instead of in alcohol. Now, I just want to mention because Eleuthero does help support cognitive function and stimulates the mind a little bit, there have been rare cases of insomnia that have been reported with it. So if you have insomnia, maybe try a different one first, like the ashwagandha, which is much more calming to the mind and helps with sleep, or consider taking the Eleuthero maybe before noon or by two o'clock in the afternoon. And you know, there's no harm in trying it and see how it goes. Those who have high blood pressure should not use Eleuthero. It has been associated with, although infrequently, some elevation of blood pressure. So try one of the other ones, not ginseng either, because that's been known to do the same thing. Okay, that brings me to the last. Now, these aren't the only adaptogens out there, but these are just some of the ones I selected because I just love them. I use them all the time. They're safe. They're generally gentle. They have very few contraindications or reasons you can't use them. And I've tried to give you an array that cover a lot of different specific needs that you might have, whether that for better sleep, or if you have fibromyalgia, you might go toward the ashwagandha, for example, or the rhodiola. But if you're working the night shift and you're a student, for example, or healthcare worker or mom, you might consider the Eleuthero, or if you're in perimenopause and you're wanting to address some brain fog, for example. The final one I'm going to mention today is called reishi mushroom. And I think of reishi mushroom as the immune nourisher. There are quite a number of important medicinal mushrooms. I don't mean the psychedelic kind. I mean like reishi and shiitake. They're just wonderful for supporting the immune system. And reishi mushroom, I just especially love. I've used it for decades and it's super supportive and nourishing of this adrenal stress system. It helps restore it. I think of the mushrooms really as food. If you're allergic to mushrooms, it's usually still fine to take these, but there are so many others that you can take that I generally recommend avoiding it if you can or working, taking it with someone's guidance and support. But again, if you're allergic to mushrooms, these are mushrooms. So think about just avoiding this category. While reishi is best known for promoting healthy immunity and improving resistance to colds and infections, making it excellent during the fall and winter, and also reducing immunity, one thing or a couple of things that people don't typically think about and don't know about reishi is that it can help support the body's natural abilities to detoxify from environmental toxins. 
It also is incredibly calming for the nervous system. And it's one of my favorite herbs for promoting a deeper, more relaxing and restorative sleep. So while we think of all kinds of things like valerian and passion flower for sleep, one of the herbs that is overlooked is reishi. So if you're having a lot of stress, it's keeping you from sleeping, you're feeling fatigued during the day, you're getting sick more often, think about reishi as part of your daily supportive plan and you can actually take it in the evening, it's not stimulating. The dose of reishi is about three to nine grams of the dried mushroom that you can take in capsules or tablets or about two to four milliliters, which is about 20 to 80 drops of the liquid extract in water two to three times a day. Now, you do want to be more cautious and just generally avoid reishi if you're on blood thinners or medications that lower blood pressure. While these interactions are really more theoretical than something I truly worry about, these medications are a big deal and the problems you can end up with if you end up getting too high or too low a dose of your blood thinner or your blood pressure medication because of an interaction with reishi can be really serious. So if you're on those medications, pick a different adaptogen. So I love herbs. They are a big part of my life, whether it's green tea and um, we forget coffee is actually an herb too, to the wonderful herbs that I use to support my immunity, keep my health on track. And I don't take a lot. I tend to take them when I need them. But I have to say, even for me, I probably should be taking adaptogens daily. I, I sometimes don't, but it's a prescription that I give my patients a lot. And right now we live in such stressful times. Our lives are so demanding. There are so many things that we can do to support our health. And if adding in these beautiful herbal allies is simple, which it is, and pretty affordable, why not add a little bit of extra support? If you know that you're going to be going through a stressful time, whether it's getting married or going through exams or moving or changing a job, this is an especially, I'm sorry, I don't mean to equate getting married with stress. I mean, planning a wedding, anything big that you're doing in your life. If you've just had a baby, it's a great time to add these in. I mentioned that I was just going to share with you a few products. I'm not particularly endorsing any of these products. I just know that some of these are good combinations from good companies. And so I just want to give you a heads up on those. But there's a product called Stress Manager by Herb Farm, an adrenal health product by Gaia Herbs, Vital Adapt by Natura Natural Products, and HPA Adapt by Integrative Therapeutics. They are contain combinations of several of these adaptogens. A couple of them contain ones that I didn't mention in my talk, but when you do look at these products, if you find it easier to get something in combination, I just wanted you to know these are companies that I feel comfortable with. So I hope you found this helpful, informative, supportive, and again, head on over to www.avivaram.com for adaptogens, herbs for beating stress, fighting fatigue, and banishing cravings. You can look in the section where I talk about adaptogens for the written version of this information. I wish you inner peace, balance, and a really, really well-supported life. Thank you for joining me. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. 
If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.